Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Tuesday Law and Gospel on this August the 9th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we'll, with me will be Pastor Smith. But we're going to be taking a look at a hymn, Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. And it is done by Martin Luther. In the decades after 1520, the Ottoman Turks expanded their empire into Western Europe through military conquest. In 1541, they captured the predominantly German city of Buda, now part of Budapest, Budapest the capital of Hungary and appeared poised to roll into other German lands. Martin Luther and his compatriots recognized the danger of being invaded and occupied by a foreign power, of being ruled by Muslim authorities who opposed the gospel. After the loss of that German city, Buddha, Elector Johann Friedrich instructed Luther and Johann Bugenhagen pastor of St. Mary's Church in Wittenberg to admonish the pastors to pray for protection against the Turks. The hymn, Lord, keep us steadfast in your word, is mentioned in the admonition, so earlier scholars concluded that the hymn was written for the book or for a special service held in Wittenberg to implore God's help against the enemies. Jesus Christ is the object of the enemy's hate and the one whom they seek to destroy. At the same time, Jesus is the only source of power in their defeat. This is the hymn of the day for proper 15, and that is this coming Sunday coming up, which is the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, and can be used for Reformation Day, ordinations, installations, confirmations, or as a final hymn as a service. 
So, Pastor Smith, are you going to be using this hymn this Sunday? Yes, absolutely. We sure are. We'll open with it. Oh, it's a good closing hymn also. But oh, yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's fine to open with it. Have you noticed the name of the translator? Let's see, Catherine Winkworth. Yes. Boy, she sure did translate the hymns, didn't she? God bless her. She, and she has such good translation. Um, so she, she isn't Lutheran, but she still did a lot of the hymns we have in our hymnal, translating them from the German particularly. So without further ado, would you begin with stanza one? I sure will. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit or sword would wrest the kingdom from your son and bring to naught all he has done. Now, my first question is, to whom is this stanza addressed? Uh, God the Father, I think. Yes. And the reason for that is because stanza two is addressed to Jesus and stanza three is addressed to whom? Uh, let's see. Oh, comforter of priceless, would that be the Holy Spirit? Yes. So this is a Trinitarian ver uh, sta uh, hymn. Yeah, that's right. But I'm notice... it doesn't have one of those little triangles next to it. Well, that's because that usually occurs only on the last verse that has yeah. all three mentioned. Right. And people stand for that. Right. But you... In your congregation, do they stand for the first hymn? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, un unless I would direct them to. I mean, uh, no. if I if I directed the congregation to do so, they would, I'm sure. But but they do, uh, and they they watch for those triangles, and they stand for those triangles. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, two of the congregations I'm serving don't have the new hymnal, and so when they're singing hymns from the old hymnal and they recognize the last verse is Trinitarian, they still stand. Well, that's Even great. Though, yeah. There, there's no triangles in those old hymnals. Yeah. Well, that's good that they recognize a doxological verse like that. That's, that speaks well of them. Now, what's really important is even though stanza one is addressed to the father and stanza two to Jesus, both begin with the word Lord. That's right. And so That's right. Jesus is making it, or I'm sorry, Martin Luther is making it very clear that both the Father and the Son is God. Right. Yes. So keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit or sword. Now, this is for the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. And boy, there's something very unique about the readings from Jeremiah, Hebrews, and Luke. How would you describe them? Well, I'll tell you, Jeremiah does not hold back at all. He's critical. He's critical of the false prophets that, uh, you know, that speak from their own dreams, you know, vain dreams. 
instead of uh, speaking God's word. So he's very, I'll tell you, uh, Jeremiah especially, is uh, there's a lot of law there. You know, I mean, he comes down hard on the false prophets. Well, how about the gospel? Well, Jesus sure. begins with the same thing. At yeah. the end of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah writes about God, is not my word like fire, declares yeah. the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. Jesus begins the gospel, I came to cast fire on the earth. So what kind of fire is he talking about? He's talking about uh, the fire of his uh, his his passion uh, and uh, the fire of the gospel and uh, and also the the cleansing fire before the last day. Yes, and he says something that I find very interesting that needs to really be explained to the congregations that. There will be father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and yeah. daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. What yes. is he talking about? Well, he's talking about how, you know, the truth does divide. You know, I mean, let's face it. Christianity, you know, the message of Christianity is, uh, is going to divide. There's going to be some people that will reject it. And others that, uh, by God's grace, receive it and accept it, and uh, it does divide. The truth is, uh, you know, it has that impact. You know, uh, well, I've got some anecdotes in my in my sermon for Sunday that illustrate that. How uh, a, a, a daughter wanted to become a Lutheran, but her father wouldn't permit it. Because he was a member of an organization that taught that uh, that uh, that you know he he recognized that Christianity uh, taught that there's only one way to heaven, and he didn't he, he didn't buy that at all. He thought there were many ways to heaven, so he would yeah. not let his daughter join the Lutheran Church. Yes, division. And in today's society, we have a lot of young people who have stopped going to church even after their confirmation. And that's where one can say father against son, son yes. against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, where they, for some reason, disagree uh, with the church. And the reason they disagree with it, that's why I like Jeremiah. This is so good that... He says, I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesied lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. In other words, they prophesy the deceit of their own heart. This is something right. we've been talking about law and gospel on the radio for some time, that every false religion is made up by the common sense of man. So the God that they believe in is often like they are. Um, and God is made in their image rather than what God did is that his image is quite different that human beings who fall into sin have. Adam and Eve lost that image. 
And Jesus Christ came to restore that image right. by his death on the cross. That is right. So we've got prophets today who are prophesying their dreams, what they think God is like, rather than the Bible. And we, we've had that even in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, where a number of pastors left because they disagreed with the Bible on various things, like they believed in evolution rather than creation. I had one professor uh, at the seminary who didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead physically. He only oh, rose boy. from the dead spiritually. Oh, boy, he's, then, out, he's outside of the faith if he doesn't believe in the resurrection. I was stressing that to my people just the other day. The resurrection is everything, you know, and, and uh, if you deny the bodily re resurrection of Christ, and there are people that will do that. They say, well, he's alive as long as his memory lives in your heart. Well, that's, that's, that's not the resurrection. He, he, re he was raised bodily, physically, and, and still lives today. Well and said. So will we be raised? Yes. See, by denying what the Bible has to say, people lose comfort. And that's right. the whole purpose of that. That but is right. I'm sure you and I are going to have people in the congregation whose children are not attending church. Or, or maybe as in your situation, that example you gave, where the parent doesn't want to attend church. But during our vacation Bible school, we would have kids come from the neighborhood. And there were a lot of them who were not Lutheran because, you know, the parents enjoyed sending them so they could go out and do shopping or whatever. Right. But right. then those kids would come home with the lessons on their hearts. That's and right. And we had parents who became members of the church because of what the kids were learning in vacation Bible school. Yeah, in fact, I know of a pastor who was, uh, in fact, he was uh, Jewish, but he he started going to church because of his because of his kids. His kids, somebody had imparted the Christian faith to his kids. He he ends up being a, not only a Christian but a Lutheran pastor. Yes, yes. So we've all had examples of that. I had a individual who came to visit his parents, and he wasn't even going to a Christian church, and he listened to the sermon. He decided to stay in St. Louis, went through confirmation, became a pastor. In fact, I just got a letter from him that he's about to retire uh, because no of his age, and he's going to start doing what you're doing, namely helping out other congregations in your retirement. How, how's that going at your church? Oh, it's uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's we've uh, we've called several pastors, and uh, each one returned the call. Did not accept the call, but we're still we're still working on it. I've been there about a year and a half already. Yes, I've been at one church for almost three years now. They've had seven individuals who turned down the call, and one of them last week asked, "What's wrong with our congregation?" And I said, no, nothing's wrong with it. God knows who's coming. He's just preparing that person and you to receive the pastor that he wants you to have. That is so right. Most of them are very patient and are waiting for that. And um, But they really need a 
full-time pastor. Yes. Because we're affiliated with the university, and that begins worship services in two weeks again. Wow. Yeah. So they're gone during the summer. Yeah. Well, God so, bless them, and I, I, hope they get an, I hope they get their new pastor as soon as possible. So this first verse says that false teachers rest the kingdom from your son. There would be kids who don't understand the word rest, W-R-E-S-T. How would you explain that to them? Well, that's where the word wrestle comes from. We wrestle, and that's uh, uh, that's what he's talking about, those that would wrestle the kingdom away from your son by undermining it yes. and bring to naught what he has done. Yeah, that's, that's how you explain it. Wrestle is spelled the same way. You're right. Very good. That's a good explanation. All right, I'll read verse 2. Lord Jesus Christ, your power make known, for you are Lord of lords alone. Defend your holy church that we may sing your praise eternally. Now, it says, for you are Lord of lords. How is the English spelled in the two lords? Uh, Lord is capitalized. The first Lord is capitalized, and the and the plural Lords is not capitalized. Yes, in both the Hebrew and the Greek, those would be two different words. In fact, a lot of times the word Lord, which is the name Moses was given at Mount Sinai at the burning bush, is Yahweh, Yahweh. and a lot of times every letter is capitalized, but then. They would never say the word Yahweh because they, they didn't Adonai. want to. Yes, they, they used they Adonai. Adonai instead, right? And because they were afraid of they were afraid of uh, desecrating the word by by just using it. That, exactly. And uh, Jesus really changed things when he had teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer, because we believe he began with the word Abba which is more like dad yeah, and showing the close relationship between us and him. So how does Jesus make his power known? Lord Jesus Christ, your power make known. Uh, defend your holy church that we may, be, may sing your praise eternally. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, your power make known. Well, through His uh, through His uh, own preaching, through the Word, through the Word of the Word of the uh, Old Testament, and uh, by His own suffering and death on the cross, by His own passion. Yeah, one of our callers just well phoned me a couple of weeks ago. We we have a book, uh, the Angel of the Lord. And it talks about Jesus being in the Old Testament all over the place. Yes. And so uh, they ordered 15 books. And yesterday I put together them on the copy machine. Uh, we make those books and we'll be sending them to him. But it's a way in which he's going to use it to defend the church by the word of Jesus Christ, because that's found throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. So yeah, that makes that makes for a great Bible study. Uh, going through all those passages in the Old Testament where the the angel of the Lord is, of course, Christ, 
the pre-incarnate Christ appearing in the Old Testament. A lot of people don't realize that, but uh, the, we, we call him the pre-incarnate Christ. Before he was incarnate in the flesh, in the womb of his mother Mary, he appeared in the Old Testament. Yes, it's very clear at the burning bush, for example, that he is called the angel of the Lord. Right. And his name is Yahweh, namely Lord, which Luther uses in this hymn. So that's Jesus speaking of himself as God. And Moses bows down uh, at that burning bush and wonders, how are you going to take, how are you using me to take the Israelites out of Egypt? He says, I am who I am. Once I say something, it's going to be fulfilled. And it certainly was under Moses. That's right. So this is how the Lord defends his holy church. And he defends it by us also escaping from the wrath of Satan and being moved into the holy Christian church. How do we do that for infants? By baptism. Yes. That's that's the... Uh... It's really about the only way we have that's accessible to us is bringing that infant into the kingdom of Christ by the washing of the water and the word and and making that little infant a precious believer and a child of God. Yes, a lot of people don't realize that that is an act of adoption where God adopts the baby into his family and that child becomes a member of the Holy Christian Church and they receive faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. So it's not at all unusual that as they grow up, they're preaching Christ, testifying to him, and believing his word. Yeah. And why would anyone want to to postpone a baptism for that reason? We know once that child is baptized, he is an heir of heaven and a child of God. Who would want to postpone that needlessly? Exactly. All right, would you read stanza three, please? O comforter of priceless worth, send peace and unity on earth. Support us in our final strife and lead us out of death to life. So what is Luther talking about, about the final strife? Uh. He's either talking about our own individual death, approaching death, yes. or he's talking about he's talking about the last events leading up to the last day. Yeah, I would combine the both of them, and a lot of people, and that happens with members of the congregation, as they near death, they wonder, "Am I good enough to get to heaven?" And what is the message of the pastor to someone who asks that question? It's not us. It's Christ. You you are saved solely by Christ, by his promises. Absolutely. Yes. Don't, by look, his... don't look to yourself. Look to Christ. And look to the cross. Yes, yeah, Because right. exactly. at the cross, that's where he paid for your sins, by right. taking upon himself the punishment you deserved. And, and so... That's really strange that so many Christians are still worried about what happens when they die, when it is so clear that God has a plan of salvation. 
Well, Tom, that's our old Adam that's still he you, you you drown him in baptism, but he can swim, and he still pops up with all those uh, doubts. And uh, that's another thing. Point point the person that's nearing death. Point them to their baptism and assure them you're an adopted child of God. He's washed away all your sins. When you were baptized as an infant, every last one of your sins, the last sin you commit on your last dying day has already been washed away. And God looks at you now as a saint. Yes. That's why I really enjoy on Wednesdays going through the book of Proverbs. Because even though there are some Bible verses at the bottom of this hymn, in our hymnal, you can have 30 or 40 more. When it says, O comforter of priceless worth, that's what Solomon is talking about in Proverbs, that there is no price that we're able to pay for our salvation. And I'm, I'm sure Luther picked that up, that the Holy Spirit is of priceless worth. There's nothing you can do to earn his salvation or his peace or unity on earth. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit to support us in our final strife. Yes. You could be the poorest man on earth, but if you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ living in your heart, you are, you are wealthy beyond value. And this occurs in the Bible a number of times. It says there's no distinction in regard to salvation between a male or female, a Jew or a Gentile, a slave or a free, and other parts they talk about other kinds of groups of people, that all of them can come to the throne of God and speak to God the Father as we do in this hymn. And so this is a great hymn referring to the three persons of the Trinity written by Martin Luther and translated by our good translator, Catherine Winkworth. So your sermon will be kind of about this. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you, Mark Smith, for this. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be touching again on the book of Proverbs and learning about how Jesus Christ keeps us steadfast in his word. Phone your friends to join us at 9.30 tomorrow for that Bible study. I'm Tom Baker, and for Mark Smith, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.